Thank you for joining us for live paranormal radio. From the paranormal to the unexplained, it all happens here. It all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in our live video chat 24-7 with our live paranormal radio show hosts and other like-minded people. Live. Paranormal.com, the only interactive social chat room supported by Full Interaction Media. Stop by now and join the fun. Stop by now and join the fun. It's raising the vibration on the Live Paranormal Radio Network. We're at LiveParanormal.com and all of our affiliates iHeartRadio.com, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Podomatic, Podbean, Player FM, Blog Talk Radio. There are more that I didn't just list because the list goes on and on. I'm your host, Sheena Metal. I'm a psychic medium. I'm an interfaith minister. I'm a 27-year talk radio host, and I'm at SheenaMetalSpiritual.com. Raising the Vibration is the first offshoot and outreach of a nonprofit movement of peace and love and kindness and unity that I founded in 2016, the year my mom died, to carry on her teachings, both spiritual and humane. And that's at raisingthevibration.org. And if that movement is focused on our cornerstone words, peace, love, kindness, and unity, something my mom believed we all needed more of in this world than this show, the first outreach of that, which began in January of 2017, our cornerstone words are ascend, evolve, inspire, and love. So basically, what are you doing to raise your own vibration and to energetically ascend? How is that ascension leading to your overall spiritual emotional, cultural, sociopolitical involvement, then how are you taking those two things that you've amassed and using them to inspire others, in essence, to bring the elevator down and bring 100 people up on a regular basis? And then, of course, love, the word I doubled up because it's the most important word in the world, what are you doing to throw love into everything you do? So every week on the show, I gather folks from my spiritual world, from my entertainment world, from the, my nonprofit world, lovely, beautiful, enlightened souls, and we talk about passion and service, and in essence, what are you doing to make the world a better place? My guest today has been on many of my shows. This is his first time joining me here at Live Paranormal iHeartRadio. Um, he is a wonderfully talented bringer of people together a philanthropist, um, a a vegan rights advocate, um, a bringer of joy, which I think we all need to be. Uh, Please welcome to the show today my very dear friend, Probat Gotham. How are you, my friend? Doing wonderfully. Thank you, Sheena. And first, let me say, I love you, Sheena. Everything starts with love and ends with love. Yes. I love you, too. Love you and yeah, everything that you're doing. I think when, thank you, my friend. I think when two people who love each other come together and do something like this, right, an hour of radio, you've done so many of my shows, I've done your web TV talk show, um, it inspires others to join in on the love because love is contagious, right? Passion is contagious. Service 
is contagious. Sometimes you just need to see somebody else doing something to realize it's what you really want to be doing too. I totally agree with you. And I, I recently talked to a professor that said, she said, well, who's the most important person in a movement? And I said, probably not the founder. They often have problems. And she said, it's the first follower. She said the first person who's the yes and begins everything. And, and it really resonated with me because I thought you are this person. I try to always be this person is being a champion for other people's projects and wanting to inspire them and wanting to, wanting to help spread the, spread the vibration, like spread all the good in the world. And when people hear, oh, I think that's a great idea, here are three people that I want to put you in touch with, they feel like now right. that movement has started. The fire, the embers are burning. And it's just so powerful. Because yeah. I think, right, is every individual going to make this massive, huge change in the world? Probably not. But they're changing somebody who changes somebody who changes somebody who does. So without the first three somebodies, the fourth somebody who's the president or the founder of an amazing organization or whoever they are never happens. So it's, it's all the, you know, we're, we're really, we're really riding on the coattails of all the people before us that set the groundwork for us. And we're, we have to remember them and be thankful to them. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you a hundred percent. And I, and I think that, um, you know, a very dear friend of mine is uh, Stuart Milk who runs the Harvey Milk Foundation. He's Harvey Milk's nephew. And I'm so honored to have done work for them because I'm such a believer in in uh, the work that Harvey did, the work that Stuart does that transcends the queer community and and just moves into plain and simple human rights, right? How all humans should treat yeah. each other. So Stuart told an interesting story that when he was first getting involved in activism, he went to go see this woman speak who was this big, you know, um, civil rights uh, cause oriented person and when he sat down at the first time he heard her speak she said the first thing she said to everybody was if you're here because you want to support my cause you're in the wrong place if you're here because you realize that my cause is also your cause you're in the right place and it always stuck with him it always makes me cry a little I am now every time I tell that story it sticks so much with me this idea that I'm not like well I'm Sheena and I'm going to help probe that up with his stuff. But the idea that we are both human beings and, and, and I love you, so what matters to you matters to me, and I don't see the difference in your cause and my cause. I think that's really the next phase of involvement, and it's where we should all be trying to get to. I completely agree with you. And, and I've, I've actually been saying to friends recently that – people get stuck in structures, right? So if somebody has an addiction issue, right, they might find a religion or a program, and those things are good because they're going to get you to break out of it. But when those things are oppressive and, you know, divide people, well, then they're a hindrance, and then people can be addicted to working out every day. But the first day they don't go to the gym, they're really upset and miserable. So it's like, okay, that's another step. But it's like the ideal step really is, to see the interconnectedness of all of us. And when you see people you disagree with, sitting with them and thinking, you know, and discussing with them, why do we disagree? Where do we disagree? And more importantly, where is their overlap so we can actually get stuff done? Because it is fun to, you yeah. know, to know where you disagree with people, 
But the more practical thing is, as we see really with everything in the political world is, why are kids dying in schools? Like, like if people believe in the right to have guns, if people believe there should be no gun, like, can we just save children from being killed? Like, like those little, the theoretical great things about what those rights mean are wonderful, but the practical of why is it the only way we stop children from dying from school violence was COVID where kids didn't go to school. Like we need a global pandemic to save children. That is crazy. Right. And, and then or, once the schools open again, it started again. Or, or probably we need a, glo- a global, we need a global pandemic to realize that what's going on in somebody's life in a penthouse in New York is the same as what's going on in someone's life in a dirt hut in Africa. Like we need, we need a global pandemic to realize that guess what? Death can come for each and every one of us. And it doesn't care who you are or how famous you are, how much money you have. Sometimes it kills you and sometimes it doesn't. And we have absolutely no control because this killed everything from the poorest people to the richest, from the oldest people to the youngest, from the sickest people to the most healthy. You just didn't know who. And that should have taught us, and I believe that's why spirit brought the pandemic to us, for us to learn, hey, guess what? We're all the same. There is no us and them. There's only us. And um, one day, a catastrophic event, um, you know, a, a war, a, 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 an illness, <laughs> alien invasion, whatever it is, one day it could wipe us all out. So we need to, like, love each other and think about how important we all can be to each other. And we don't have to agree with each other. Okay, so I'm going to tell you a story that's new that I'm not proud of, but here I go. Yeah. So I'm currently living in my mom's house, um, fixing it up, probably to live here. It's very bittersweet because I haven't been here since she passed. She and I obviously were very close. I founded this movement for her. And um, it's very hard to be here without her, and I've noticed things I've put off about her death that I now have to deal with, you know, as I use her toaster. So I had movers come in and pack a bunch of her stuff for me to sort later into a couple of rooms, and I realized when I did it that I had them pack slowly gathering just a few things for the house till I remodel it. And I put some of my spiritual stuff up. And I was on next door. I'm trying to get involved in the neighborhood. I think next door is wonderful to get involved in your neighborhood. And there were some guys giving out Bibles. And I thought, well, that would be a nice thing to have in the house because I don't have one here. Now, I'm about as interfaith as the day is long. I believe in all different spiritual bents. I study all different spiritual bents. I have all different things here. I have Buddha and Ganesh and, and, uh, and, and Egyptian stuff. I've got a bath cat and I've got... Irish pagan stuff, but I didn't have a Bible. So I said, wow, that's nice. I would love a Bible. So I go to drive to the address they give me, and I see that it's a Mormon church. And I thought, well, a temple. I thought, well, these folks aren't going to give me a Bible. This is going to be something weird. And that was my bad. And, you know, I worked for a Mormon guy I loved. I had a Mormon friend in junior high. I spent a lot of time with her family. I dated a Mormon guy. But I suddenly thought, could we get weird, right? We'd psych ourselves into things, yeah. and I got us and them. I thought, okay, this isn't going to be free, and what's the scam? So I texted him, and I said, look, I have nothing but respect for you, 
but I just want you to know I'm, I'm not Mormon and I don't plan to become Mormon. I'm kind of devoutly interfaith. I am a minister. I would love to have a Bible, but I just want you to know up front I'm, I'm not going to convert. And he was like, well, that's not why. We're just doing it. So I drove to the temple, and I had him meet me at my car. Two elders, they were like 16, Probot. I mean, they were, they were like yeah. 16 years old. They were darlings. They brought me the Bible, and they asked questions about my ministry, and they said, look, we have Bibles here. We have classes on the Old Testament. Feel free to come whenever you want. And I felt so warm and so lovely. So I collect spiritual stuff. Like, I have everything you can imagine. So I'm sitting at home a couple of days ago, and I'm thinking, you know what I don't have? I don't have a Book of Mormon. I've never read the Book of Mormon. And I think if you're going to be an interfaith pastor, you need to know about everything. Yeah. So I sent him a text to them, and I said, I'm still not going to ever be one religion, but would you let me have a Book of Mormon? And he's like, yeah, come by, and we'll give you one. So I felt dumb because I felt like from growing up in this place in Orange County that was psychotically evangelical Christian in the 80s, somebody was always trying to convert me, do something, make me do something, and I was always feeling uncomfortable. And I realized I felt that way again. And then I realized, well, wait a minute, I'm 30 years older, the the, the area is 30 years older. We've both become more evolved. And shouldn't I be able to maybe even go take a class there on the Old Testament? I don't have to convert, but spend time with people yeah. who are different and enjoy it. And I feel like I made a new friend. So when I told people about it, a lot of people were like, oh, you know, they're just trying to convert you. Like everybody immediately went to the negative. Right. So it's, yeah, it's, that's what we do, it, right? Why can't I? Why can't we be friends with somebody who's going to be something completely different than you, and they're not going to convert, and you're not going to convert? But why should that matter? I probably will never be a vegan. I love you, and I have nothing but respect for vegans, but I'll probably never be one. I believe in all the things. I'll, vegans I'll, I'll be protesting in. the show starting the next week, everybody. Just so you guys know. Exactly. The thing is that. The thing is, that, like, if you genuinely love and care for people, whether they adopt your views on things or not, the things that you believe in, right. the number of, you know, I'm so far left politically that, like, Bernie Sanders is too center for me. Like, but the number of conservative friends that I've made in the last three years, and clearly I am not going to become conservative, but you realize they're just good people that have a they have a different way to view the world on some things than I do. But then there's things that you'll overlap with them on, and you realize, oh, they believe in marriage equality. So are they a regular conservative or are they an unleaded conservative? I don't know. But I think you just get to a place where you're just like, they're just good people. And in the end, you know, good people are good people. But I have a funny story for you I have to tell you about the Mormon story. So when I was in college at the University of Oklahoma, where I grew up in Oklahoma, these Mormon missionaries knocked on our, you know, I was living at home with my family, these missionaries knocked on the door. And I said, I don't know anything about your religion. And this has got to be like 1994, 95. I don't know anything about your religion. Please tell me. And these two really sweet women, you know, I think, I think they're usually like 21, 22 are the missionaries, right? So they're older than me. And I'm like, what's your stance on aliens? They're like, well, 
we'll be back next week, and we'll let you know. So they would keep coming back, and they would tell me what they, they thought, and I became friends with them. And then one of them goes off to school at BYU, Heather. And so then these two women leave, and the two male missionaries come in. Within a week of the male missionaries, they said, well, we know you've been meeting with the, with the sisters for months. Would you like to be baptized next week? Major difference between women and men right there. There's a lot of over, overlap with men and women in society. Women are actually nurturing and caring. Men are like, are we going to close the deal or not? Because if not, uh, we don't want to waste any more time. But months passed. Heather and I stayed, you know, in touch. And I, one of the most amazing letters I ever got was Heather's at BYU. And she, Heather is the, the, the missionary, the more missionary. And she said, I'm so thankful that I got to meet you. Because as I walk around campus, I realize there's not enough diversity, and we have to have people in our lives that have different views from different backgrounds. I don't, I don't think she I, – I think I saw Heather maybe five years ago. She was still Mormon. I don't think she's probably ever going to not be Mormon. But to know that my life was better for meeting her because I got to learn about a faith I didn't know anything about and to know that I have made her think at least a little bit – about people that have different perspectives and different cultures. Hopefully that's made her life better. And in the end, we're both just going to be good people who, you know, in a lot of areas will agree, and then there'll be a few where we won't agree. But I just think the more and more we realize that the us-them stuff is created by people that have an agenda. There are people in politics. There are people that, you know, it's essentially – you know, it's like gang warfare, like you're one gang or the other. And I subscribe to none of the above. I want to be a good person and I know where I, what I believe. And there's some of my beliefs are going to be on each side. And most of them are going to be very liberal, but in the end I can be friends with really conservative people. I can be friends with my friend, Sheena metal, who, when I first met you, I didn't understand any of the paranormal stuff. I thought it was like bonkers. And then, as I said on your show before, I realized that, you know, my sister and I have precognition. So we have this whole thing where we can feel if somebody's passed away. And I was like, did I become new agey because I became friends with Sheena? Is is her stuff contagious? Because I'm not trying to be out there. But then you realize I was limited with my views on science in the world. And, you know, I knew as much as I knew at the time. And I was as good a person as I was able to be then. And now I'm hopefully a little bit better, and I know a little bit more. And I thank you for helping me become better and learning more. You're welcome, and I thank you for educating me on the healthy effects of veganism. Maybe someday I'll get there. Um, So here's an interesting story. So, you know, I became ordained as a minister in 2017, basically because I got a message from Spirit and my deceased mother to do it. And I had no idea how to be a minister. And I was telling that story as a joke about two days after I got the download. And sitting at the table with me was a guy who was the president of American Trinity University. And within two weeks, he had walked me through the pastoral process, and I was ordained. And then I never thought I'd be attached to a church. I thought raising the vibration would be my ministry. But I secretly always wanted to be a pastor at Metropolitan Community Church because I love the story of how Troy Perry and the other founders took queer folks that were kicked out of their very evangelical churches and found a place where it was safe for them to be Christians. Because I always say it's sad for me when folks kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? You don't have to throw your whole life and customs away 
because some person tells you you don't belong because you're gay or a psychic or you like paganism or whatever the story is. And I never thought in a million years I'd ever work there, especially at the Founders Church. And I was doing one of these vibration gatherings that you've been to them. And a friend of mine that I knew through entertainment knew a mutual friend of ours who had been a pastor there and sent me a letter and said, an email and said, I'm going to send Stephen a letter and tell him you've got to work at this church. And I said, well, that's a lovely thought, Hersha, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. Well, she did, and Steve got back to me right away and said, well, I would love for you to be a pastor there, but I'm retired, but why don't I come do your show, right? Radio again, right, the, the leveler of all things. Why don't I come do your show and bring our new senior pastor? So he did. This man was my brother from another life. We clicked instantly. Two weeks later, we had dinner at Jerry's famous deli, rest in peace, and he offered me this interface position. When I got there, he was still a little bit in his, he had come from a very staunch Christian background, and even though he was gay and fought to be a Christian who was gay, he still didn't know about psychic and all the kind of woo-woo stuff you're talking about that I believe in, right? So he started coming to my events, the events I did with other mediums, the events I did with a hoodoo practitioner. I mean, he came to everything. And he started seeing how everything I believed in was pretty much everything he believed in, but we just use different terminology, right? I say spirit, higher power. Christians say the Holy Spirit, right? But it's the same kind of idea. So when he brought me to yeah. Founders as a pastor, um, I could tell some people were like, who is this? Now, these are people that got kicked out of their own churches for being queer, but they're looking at me like, who is this? What's the story? What does she believe? You're there. I think it took a little while for some folks to come around to the idea that I wasn't trying to take their Christianity away <coughs> by bringing in beliefs that were different. So... Um, I had have become, for the first time in my life, since I ran away from Orange County in my early 20s, I now will I identify again as a Christian. Not holy rolling fire and brimstone Christian, but Jesus as a cool, funky, cool healer that loved everybody Christian. I mean, even for the first time in my life, in my entire life, got baptized at that church during one of my services by Keith. And Keith has become much more metaphysical. So isn't it interesting how just two people touching each other's lives can bring an enormous amount of expansion for them both? And yeah. it's nothing we set out to do. It wasn't part of the deal of me working over there. It just happened from us being around each other. And wouldn't it be nice if we could all touch each other? It reminds me of an avatar, how they would hold ponytails. Wouldn't it be nice if we could just hold ponytails with people and have this kind of unconscious simpatico happen and we could pick up the good things about them and they could pick up the good things about us and sort of keep that in their spiritual tool bag as they move forward, right? It's, I think what's so interesting is like when we see the divide externally, but, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, one of the most liberal judges, would take vacations with Scalia, like as conservative as they get as a Supreme Court justice, yeah. and they just laughed and just cared deeply for each other. 
there's no secret affair. There's no one of them is pretending to be nice to the other one to get them to change their vote. It's you're one of nine and you're two of nine. And like, like, you, you want to get along with the people you're around. And there's some people you're just going to have totally different perspectives on things with, but you're going to have like admiration for their, I mean, these are super smart people that are well-educated. Mm-hmm. I think what we just often lose is, is I thought this with the, the, the faith community for a long time. These are people, uh, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, Hinduism, Buddhism, all of them, right? Uh, Mormonism, Unitarians. They got into it because they wanted to make the world better. Like they're in their worldview. They want to make the world better. And the, and the best way they think they can do that is through the lens of their faith. So they didn't get in to make money. They didn't get in so they could be like on a bunch of stages. And these are street preachers. These are people going door to door. They get through all the training because they genuinely want to help people. And I think what gets lost is, yeah, there's ego. A lot of like, people are flawed. People make mistakes. But the people start out, I believe, and I'm pretty sure you believe, they start out wanting to do good. They start out doing good. And sometimes along the way, they get sidetracked. But the core of who they were, I mean, so I had the great, great, great privilege, I want to say 2001, I got to talk to Jim Baker's uh, new wife. So, you know, that's the whole famous story of Jim and Timmy Faye Baker, right? They sure. taken in a lot of money from the congregation. They used it for their personal use. And then, you know, Jim got remarried, and he had made this pledge. He didn't want to be a televangelist ever again. He was only going to be working in the inner city helping people in need. And, and I remember talking to his wife, and his, you know, his wife, you know, I had had multiple abortions, which is not going to work in the Christian church for a lot of, right? But it's the, this world of there are two people that didn't fit kind of in their face. But Jim Baker's whole thing was like, I want to help the poorest of poor and people in need. And I have no doubt that's why he started in the first place. But as you go along, you know, they were the first big televangelist. So there's going to be a lot of ego with that. They're they're the first reality stars, really. I mean, that whole world, and and you get caught up in it, and you believe your own hype, and you believe you're the greatest thing ever, and then you know humility and jail and all that comes in. But I think like when we see those situations, why do we look at somebody that falls and say, oh, they were terrible, they were always terrible, this is an awful person, and instead of saying they probably started out well and along the way. I mean, I think that all the time when you see a, a person that killed somebody, the whole, their whole trajectory is they were a child that at some point something awful happened, whether the parents are abusive, they were abused, they saw something, like they, they got let off the right track and they never got back on the track. And by no means am I saying somebody that's killed, like six people, 10 people, 20 people should be in public and we should hug it out with them. Like, you know, we probably need them to be in prison. Not probably. We very much need them to be in prison. And we hope that they can be an example from people behind bars and not in front of those people. And they can be a cautionary tale, if nothing else. Um, while at the same time, we should have compassion and say, like, where did we as a society fail that little child that was not able to have a nurtured, loving life that led them to, yeah. you know, the wrong peer group? 
And I think we, we miss that. We get to a place to where, oh, the liberals all feel like nobody should be punished and the conservatives feel like everybody should be locked up. It's like most of us want the best for everyone. I would say all of us want the best for everyone until we're hurt ourselves and then we decide we don't want that anymore because we're acting out out of rage. And some people do that for the rest of their lives, and it's sad. Like having anger. Yeah, I have I mean, a good I... friend, Toddy, who, who I want you to interview. Toddy's in her 80s. She stopped hating Trump two years ago. I remember she called me and said, Prabhas, I'm not going to hate Donald Trump anymore. I know it's not good for me. And, I, and Toddy's one of the sweetest people. And I was like, Toddy, I don't know why he upset you as much as he did. Because you, you know, what, what can you do? Like, it's, uh, once the election's over, nothing you can do now. And, to, and except get your person you want to win in the next election. But, but just to see a woman in their 80s realizing, I can't live in rage. I have to be in a place of love. Or to the outside world, the people that weren't close to her, she's one of the most loving people even before she went through that epiphany. But it's never too late yeah. to become more loving. And it's, I think it's a daily practice. And there's a few days, a lot of days we're going to fail, you know. But overall, we want to be more loving. Well, there's no sense in hating someone because you're just giving them energy. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you're just, you're just giving. I have friends that would say like, uh, oh, and I, I hate Trump, and, and this is what he put on his Twitter. And I'm like, why are you following him? Because I hate him. Okay, so why are you following him? Why are you giving him attention? If, you know, narcissists like attention. I just use the N-word in regards to Trump. If you don't yeah. like them, don't give them attention. People are like, oh, my sister, she ruined my life. So I wrote her a 48 page all the time, probably. If, yeah. if, if somebody is making your life miserable and you write them a 48 page letter, you are basically opening up 48 pages worth of arguments. Why? Yeah. I think we feel like we need to shake our fists at everything. Um, if you didn't like Trump, and I personally thought it was a very bad decision, then, but other people are different, right? That's just me. Then put energy into things that you want to see more of. Instead of all your energy going into less Trump, put your energy into what you want to see more of, and then vote the way you want to vote. But don't just sit and bitch and antagonize Trump on Twitter and then go, oh, you know, screw it, I'm not going to vote. And that's people are like so caught up in this never ending drama. Right. And, and what you're saying it, is so true about social media. Because, like, like, why don't, if someone is following him and they don't like him, how many other people have upset them? Do they want to find the person in third grade that, like, you know, stole their jacket and they're going to, like, follow them? Like, when does it end where they're following people that make them miserable instead of only being yeah. surrounded by the people that uplift you? Like, there's so many more uplifting right. people in our lives and and if the person upset you, you you just you just let it go and if you see them somewhere out in the restaurant you say hello you're polite and you know i used to always say uh, i wish all my ex as well and i thank most of them for not being in my life anymore and i and i would say exactly. but i wish myself yeah. a little bit i wish myself a little bit better but but i do really wish them all well and i think and I and you really do want people to flourish. And the same thing with friendships, they're, they're falling out. Business partnerships don't always work. So we hope the best for the other person. You don't ever have to let them in your life that close again. 
but wish them well because I always go back to if you found out tomorrow that a terminal illness, how much of that hate and anger would you have in you about them? And if you found out tomorrow they died, if you found out tomorrow they killed themselves, how would you feel knowing that you had all this anger, vitriol towards this person that you haven't even seen in 20 years? Yeah, it's, it's not worth it. I mean, it's like that, remember that far side can t- uh, cartoon, uh, what we say to dogs, what they hear, and what they heard was just like, blah, 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 Fido, blah, 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 Fido. That's how narcissistic people are. They only hear their names. They don't care if yeah. it's good or bad. It doesn't matter. All that matters is you're paying attention to them. So if you don't want to fuel them, and this works in the spirit world too, if you don't want to fuel something that's unpleasant, that's not in a body, Give it energy. Don't yell and scream at it all the time because then you're just enticing the argument, you know? Um, yeah. People can't help themselves. so about uh, wanting to be right, wanting to tell somebody how much they hate them. But then, you know, elections come and we're like, oh, you know, I, I got to smoke a joint that day. I can't be bothered. I'm, I'm going to get my hair done that day. I, I can't vote. Uh, and then I'm going to spend four more years complaining that I don't like what I have. And we have to stop that. We have to stop focusing on the negative. I mean, how many people go on these boards and these threads and social media and it's hours and hours and hours of, I hate this TV show and I hate this celebrity. Well, my God, there's yeah. so many TV shows and so many celebrities. Find somebody you like and post there. How about you not? How about you work a campaign to not get your favorite show canceled instead of spending all your time talking about how much you hate this show? And, and that's a lot yeah. of what I do in my work as a minister and as a, as a spiritual practitioner is I try to convince people to turn that clock around, to spend more time focusing on them. It's really having um, a glass half full perspective instead of a glass half empty perspective, right? What do I like about yeah. life? What am I focusing on? Because if you just want to spend all your time focusing on things in your life that suck, you'll find them. But, but why? Yeah. You know, why do that? Yeah, and I, I think, too, you see with, you know, with Russia or Ukraine, like, people are constantly watching war coverage, and they're, like, why are people depressed? Like, you know, you can do what you can do is talk to the politicians, send supplies, to, you know, whether it's a donation or whatever you can do to help people in Ukraine. But, like, after all that, watching all the depressing footage all the time, you know, this even happened, you know, with the the U.S. got out of Afghanistan and people saw like, oh, all the terrible things that are happening there. And, and I just always think in those situations, like, like, yes, you need to be informed when you know what's happening, but fixating on every detail that's just going to leave you depressed and immobilized. If being depressed like, gets you to take action, then be a little depressed. If being depressed stops you, yeah. which is what it does for most people, then don't be depressed and, and then it's the thing, like, nobody's requiring people to be, and I, I've had this conversation, I think, for years with friends, like, how social media is this a beautiful tool to help disseminate information about good things. Like, you know, you can tell people yeah. about when, when you would do your Raising the Vibration events. You could tell whenever you produce the Vagina Monologues, which I got to go to. Like, you can yeah. promote the events. You can take photos, share a video clip, and just have people all over the world realize wow, a group of people assembled at this one location. So 200 people are in a room, but 200,000 people are now inspired today or in the next month, and then that inspiration will continue forever because 
it lives in all these people's timelines that other people read. It's like that's all really good. But then there's the other side of where people see the negative. And, and I think really what's happened is, and it's probably always existed, right? Some people say what social media is. It's just the mall or the water cooler. It's just, you know, it's virtual. But there are always people that just kind of fixated and gossiped and worried about this or that. And I think, you know, have your two seconds of gossip and learn about what's happening in people's lives and then go back to, like, all right, what can we do? What are the what, what work can we do? And then hopefully a month from then you just need one second of gossip. And then hopefully five months from that you need no gossip. And then when people start it, you immediately turn to them and say, but, you know, like well, I thought this during Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. I thought, don't you just want to hug both of them? Because you think these are two highly troubled people that found each other yeah. and had a very chaotic life and are now suing each other where the only one that's going to win are their attorneys. And wouldn't that $12 million be so much more beneficial to Children's Hospital and, you know, Human Rights Campaign and Human Rights Watch, like all these groups that are doing wonderful work. And I just thought at the end of it, I, I don't need to care who wins or loses that trial. I'm sad that these two people were harmful to each other verbally, physically, and everything else. And and you just wish that, like, somewhere along their childhood, their earlier years, that could have all been fixed because it wasn't. And how many people have they hurt before they met each other and since they met each other? And we just need more good. Like, I, I think there's so much good in the world that, you know, it's it, we're surrounded by so much good. And, and I think the bad is such a tiny blip. And it's just, you know, I've had friends that have said this where if somebody makes a negative comment, you know, models have said this, you know, actors, actresses, one negative comment and people will just think about that the rest of the week. And the hundred positives, nobody thinks, you know, you hear it and then you block it out once you got the negative. And we need to just be in a place of being as positive as we can be towards each other. Yes. Yes. Well, so after that, can I say negative things about you? That. Yeah, I'm can ready to say negative. Uh, I mean, I, I think Sheena, this all this peace and love and kindness, that was so 1960s. <laughs> I, I'm over it. I think we need more hostility, separation. And I'm, I want to start a campaign where we're going to protest Sheena and all her goodness. Too much good in the world, Sheena. Stop spreading the good. There's not as much money in good. Let's Stop the love. Let's 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 start a little. If we can have a little bit more hate every day, it's good. No, I'm, you know I'm kidding. I think it's it's just. I think what you're doing is you're reminding people that there are good people. There's good people next door. They themselves are good. So just surround themselves by good people and listen to shows like your show where they can be reminded of these really like amazing people doing good in the world. And hopefully they'll join some of these movements and go do good. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But you'd be surprised I do get messages like that where people are actually angry, especially when I started this uh, right after the election in 2016. Oh, my God. People were like, what do you think you're doing? And they got very upset. So people are sometimes uh, allergic to joy, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's, it's sad. really sad but, when you think of it, right? Right, like yeah. all that came out of that, I mean, $2 million to him or however many million to her, it's nothing. It's a drop in the bucket. All that really happened was he lost the best career, the best role of his life, and she lost the best role of her life. That's all that happened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, and and, and it's we'll probably never get him regain them. Right, and neither one of them will ever be as popular as they were because of this. They'll always be tainted, no matter who's right. My mama used to always say that my grandpa, who was very wise and wonderful, had a saying that when two people are in a fight. Nobody really knows who's right and who's wrong. They only know that two people are in a fight. And they naturally move away from people that are in a fight. And it's true. That's what it's hard when you're being – some people draw you into a fight, right? Sometimes you have a friend or a business associate or family member, and for whatever reason, because like I said, narcissists love attention – they draw you into a fight, and you're stuck in the middle of it. And I had that happen a few years ago, and um, I lost friends over it, and I don't even know what happened. Somebody was having a fight with me I wasn't even participating in, but people were like, oh, oh, something's going on, and then they immediately thought there was something wrong with me. And it took me a while to sort of reconcile that if people don't have the interest to pick up the phone and say what's going on and, and believe in you as a friend, then those people aren't meant to be in your life. And then COVID hit, and that put a nice two years of separation in there, and it gave me some nice time to heal. But 2019 was a rough year with that. And it's, um, you know, because people that want attention, they will do whatever they have to do, say whatever they have to say, pick a fight with whoever they have to pick a fight with to keep the spotlight focused on them. And when people would get angry and scream at me about Trump, like you were saying, I would just say, look, this is a child who needs attention, so don't give him attention. Get all riled up and, oh, there's a fight. I have to run there and defend myself, and I have to take a side. You know, you don't have to take a side. Some, something going on between two people probably has nothing to do with you. Um, you don't have to take a side. Just, just remain friends with who you love and don't. Make such a big deal out of it. But we as people, we love to make such a big deal out of it, right? Um, yeah. You know, all these people are putting up these memes like, oh, I tried to tell you this in November of 2016. Okay, that's probably true. Period, next paragraph. <laughs> that was six years ago. Now, moving forward, how are we going to work to make sure people get their rights back? and not let's go back to November 2016 and yell at everybody we hated then. I had people, when I founded this movement on my mom's birthday, I had her memorial planned for four days later. You were probably there. And um, on November 13th, and I've had it planned since she died in March with the improv. And I had people call me up and tell me they wouldn't come to her memorial because Republicans were going to be there or Democrats are going to be there. And I'm thinking, you're out of your mind. This is my mother's memorial service, and you're not going to come because you think people who voted differently than you might be there? I mean, <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's, yeah. uh, I don't stop going to Venice Beach because I think some of the people who hang out there are probably murderers. 
I mean, I can't do anything about that. Do you know what I mean? I say that because once I was there and this guy walked up to me with a sling blade and it was a little scary. But it didn't stop me from going there. You know, you never know who's, you never know what's going on inside somebody. You don't really know how people vote. You only know how they tell you they vote. You don't really know how people believe spiritually. You only know what they tell you. So you don't have the inside scoop on every human being in the world. And when you're at an event with 200 people celebrating somebody's life, when do you have time to figure out who you don't like? But it was very shocking to me that people that I thought I was very close to were like, I absolutely am not going if there's going to be somebody there who voted for Trump or voted for Hillary or whatever the story was. And um, that made me kind of look at people and how much we all want to be having a fight. We want to be in the middle of a fight, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really it's, it's what Yeah, it's it's what you said at the beginning, which like it's it's higher consciousness, right? Like like being politically involved is important and caring about issues is important, but that's a level of consciousness where people are like I'm not just going to be passive. I'm going to stand up for beliefs that I hold dear. But then the next level of consciousness is to say, I'm going to continue to do that, and that's important to me. And if I find people that are on the other side, I want to learn why they believe what they believe, not just so I have a better argument for me to win my case or maybe I'll convert them over. It's because I want to understand. You know, I tell people all the time, for me, I could not be happier that I grew up in Oklahoma. Like Oklahoma is such a super conservative state, and to grow up there – to be around people that are conservative, that I know every election we voted completely opposite, but these are people I went to college with. But there's other people I went to school with that were conservative, now they're liberal, or, you know, whatever it may be. But it's like you, just being forced to be around a group of people that I would have never in my adult life wanted to pick to be around was good for me because it's just it's a reminder. We have to learn to coexist, and that's Oklahoma to California. Well, what about California or America to Russia, to China, to India, to Africa, right? Like to, to Venezuela. Like we're, we have, what's the sort of common thread? People want to live in safety. They want their basic needs met and they want to feel safe and they want to be loving and they, humans want the same thing. And I, 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 at this stage in my life, which, I think you and I have probably talked about before, in my young, young, young years, I wanted to be in politics. And as I've gotten older, you know, what I realize is politics is so often a reality show, and people hang on every random thing that's happening. And there's some big, really important yeah. things, right, that we, like you and I were there fighting for marriage equality, and, like, you know, there's a lot of things that we're going to fight for. And when you see, and the thing that I try to remind everybody of over the last week is, Barack Obama won California in 2008, and in the exact same election, the California voters believed that gay marriage should be illegal. How does that happen Mm -hmm. where they voted for Obama and the same block of voters, the majority voted for something that is anti-right, anti-sanity? Like, how can you oppress people from the right to be married? And then yeah. years pass, and a Republican-led Supreme Court made gay marriage legal. So these, you just never know. But I also try to remind people, 
these things go, they, they're ebbs and flows. And, you know, 2015, it all changed. So, you know, and, but, but it's always, that should have happened a hundred years earlier. It's always going to be too late. While at the same time, we have to remember this is just how the political world works, where there's going to be setbacks. Right. I mean, you know, the civil rights movement, these leaders were arrested. These leaders were killed. Like, they were murdered. And, you know, I, I remember I dinner with Martin Luther King III and saying to him, I'm sorry that the country I live in was responsible for killing your father. Because I have no doubt, you know, that, the government was involved with that. They knew what's going to happen. They were following him. And it's like all he, the man stood for was peace for people all over the world. That's what he believed in. And he lost his life. And he's, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. is a civil rights icon. So if he's going to lose his life for what he believes in, then, you know, there's going to be rights and uh, people are going to be oppressed. And it'll, it'll go, and it'll come back, it'll go. And I just have so much faith in young people. You know, I mentor students at UCLA, and I see these kids, they're 18 to 22. They, they are, like, our generation started to be okay with interracial dating and marriage. Their generation has no problem with same-sex marriage. And, like, you just see, like, every generation is going to be more and more and more advanced. And as that keeps happening society is going to change and the older people are still hanging on for their you know good old days that never existed and their belief in a world that's oppressive so you know let them have their day for as long as they have it but it's going to change and there's nothing they're going to be able to stop it from changing so absolutely i absolutely agree justice will always happen you know so yeah and we are slowly solving even though we have setbacks overall every decade it does get better and it does get more progressive in thinking both culturally, spiritually. There are always going to be people that are going to panic and buck against progress and want to turn the clock back. That is always going to happen. Yeah. But. And, and, and you know, this after, after President Obama, you know, had his eight years, people that were racist didn't come out of the woodwork. They were always there. They just, you know, they may not have been as outspoken, but that, that was the natural reaction to them being appalled at the thought of someone that they think is lesser than being the president. When this man is, is Ivy League educated, unlike, the, unlike any of them, so they view him as lesser, and they needed to make sure that they could do what they could do to not make sure that nobody that's a minority or a woman is going to be the next president. And so they succeeded in 2016, but we know in 20, you know, now we Kamala Harris is a woman and she's African-American or she's, she's Indian. She's Jamaican. Um, they, they couldn't stop that. So tomorrow if Biden has a heart attack. We, we're not wishing that, but if that happens, you have a woman that's a minority that's the president. They couldn't do anything to stop it. So, and if yeah. she's not the president in two years, six years, there will be a woman that will be president. There will be a Latino male that will be president. There will be a gay president. You know, we saw Buttigieg. You know, we have a gay secretary of state. Like, it's these, these things yeah. in time happen. It's the, the, the side of oppression has to stand up, and they have to oppress strongly once they see progress, because that 
and it feels like it's going backwards, but it's really just it's the end of their cycle and it's the end of their it's their it's the it's the company that's going under. It's like the last thing they're right before Blockbuster's closing, you know, they're gonna seem really impressive for the last two weeks. Like that's what's happening. Like there's this they have to stand up for what they believe in at the very end because they know these people that are racist, their grandkids are dating somebody that's of a different race. Their grandkids are gay. Like they're not stopping the way society's changing, no matter how hard they try. Right. And and it's and yeah. So I mean it but there's sadness. I have enormous sadness for women. I've said this multiple times for women in Afghanistan. If you're a thirty five year old woman in Afghanistan you grew up in a press society, you had rights, and now your daughter has lost her rights. So you've seen that happen. Yeah. But, and is it worse to have never had rights or worse to have had them and have them taken away? But those women also know at some point. Yeah. What do you think is worse, actually? I think it's worse to have had them and had them taken away. I think that's so much worse. I think it's, and you see that yeah. all over the country. And Stuart Miller talked that to me about that. So many societies, Hungary, Poland, that were extremely gay friendly, and a regime changed, and they totally became the other way. And yeah. uh, we have to be careful of that, right? Because if we fail to remember the past, we're doomed to repeat it. I mean, there's there's so much truth in that. Sweetie, you're wonderful. I loved having you. Let's do this again soon. And where can people find you online? So, um, positivetelevision.org. And then we're starting a whole series of conversations with people with different perspectives. So if people want to know about that, they can just send us a text, and we'll add them to the list. And our number is 310-872-0669, 310-872-0669. And I'm really excited about people with different viewpoints sitting and kindly having conversations. And I for sure want you to be one of those panelists once we start up in the next few weeks. Yeah. I'd love it. I'll talk about all the woo-woo stuff you didn't used to believe in. And we'll talk about aliens. Do it. You were so um, wonderful, my friend. I'm so happy to have you here. And I'm such a fan I, of your existence on this earth. And you are welcome here I, anytime. Thank you for being here. I love knowing you. I love who you are as a person. And I love what you're doing with Raising the Vibration. So I'm excited to keep seeing it grow. And for all the people out there, please support all of Sheena's wonderful work. And and join her movement because it's a movement for peace and love everywhere. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Uh, my wonderful friend, uh, Probot Gotham, so wonderful to have you here. If you miss any of those links, uh, SheenaMetalSpiritual.com to learn more about me, for all your spiritual, find me or everywhere on social media. I'm just at Sheena Metal, and uh, we're here every Tuesday at 5 o'clock Pacific time, live paranormal, iHeartRadio, and more. Until I see you next time, seek peace, live in love, lead with kindness, embrace unity, always raise your vibration, and most importantly, know that you are loved, and you are loved. I'm Sheena Metal. I love you so much, and I'll see you next week. Take care of you. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.